0: I'd like to read to you from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his second letter to the Corinthians. And what's happening here in, in this letter is, is Paul is, um, in some ways, he, he, he's doing the first, the first fundraising that we know of in the Bible. He's doing the first fundraising that we know of in the Bible. In Jerusalem, there's, there's a lot of, there are a lot of hardships going on for that group of Christians, and that's in some ways, the mother church. Uh, The Jerusalem church was in some ways the mother church for for all of the others, or at least they saw themselves that way. And and those folks were primarily Jewish folks who then became Christians. So they were Jewish folks who became Christians. And Paul, of course, as you know, um, was out among the Gentiles primarily. He was not necessarily um, doing a lot of ministry with Jewish people, but with non-Jewish people. So most of the churches that he started were filled primarily with non-Jewish people, though there was some, some mixing going on. So he, you know, so he's primarily out with, with, with mixed communities of Jews and Gentiles, but probably more, more Gentiles. So he, in some ways, has, a, he has, a, has sort of a tough job here. Because he's trying to convince Gentiles to give... To Jewish people. And those two groups of people probably didn't necessarily always get along. But in Christ, right, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. That everybody's equal. And so Paul, Paul is out and he's, he's, he's trying to encourage them, encourage them to give to help the Jerusalem church because they're, they're having trouble feeding people, they're having trouble doing the ministries that they need to do there. So, this is uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, starting with verse 6. The point is this The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, He scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only surprised the needs of the saints, But also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And so he's encouraging them Reminding them of the of the gifts that they've been given, of the of the blessing of, of being part of the, the community of Christ that they are a part of, of, of the blessings that God has bestowed upon them by giving them everything that they need. It's easy for us to forget the blessings of this life. I many if you've ever had the chance to buy, you know, a newish vehicle and maybe one that you wanted. And so, you know, you're shopping for the car, and you're not under compulsion. Like, you, you, you know, it's... it's, it's you, you're, looking for, you're looking for this vehicle, you know, and you, you want that. So, so you, you buy the vehicle, and, you know, you, you get in it, and, 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 man, it's got the stuff. Like, it's got the power windows. It's got the heated seats. It's got, you know, whatever. Whatever it is. And, and then... You, you, you get in that vehicle, and you're like, man, I'm special. I'm really special. I am, I am now in the lap of luxury. And about two months later, you're like, what is up with this car? Why is there something wrong with this car? I mean, you get used to it. Same thing happened when my parents got the first microwave. Put the cup of water in there. One minute, boil in hot water. A month later, put the cup in there. One minute. <laughs> when is that water going to be done? Right? I mean, we get used to things. We, we get used to, to the way things are when we have something that is amazing. I mean, just think about this. Like, people, we, we complain about air travel all the time. But here's the thing you're getting in a tin pencil, and you're flying across the country or across the world in a few hours, you know, and it would have taken you months, maybe even years, to get where you're going. It's a miracle, and yet we've gotten so used to it, we just complain about it relentlessly. Now, yes, could it be better? Of course, always that, but But just the position, the attitude that we could have about things, the perception often needs to be changed. And and that's why we often need reminders. We need reminders so that we can come to a place of gratitude. In the Old Testament, I just just love the description of this. And, And in some ways this is a command from God, you know, when, you, when, when you've harvested this harvest, take the first fruits, take that tithe, which is, a, which is a 10% sort of thing, take that right, the first fruits, the very first thing you do, you don't put any in your barn, you take it and you take that first fruits and you take it right to the temple and you take it right to the priest to give thanks to God for what you're being given, for the gifts of that. And it's not just that. It's not like, oh, well, then that's that's what we're doing. oh, we're just giving a, an, an offering to God, and that's supposed to satisfy God, and that's supposed to make God happy. No, what it really is is, in your generosity, you are made grateful. Because then, as they go into this ritual, what happens? They start rehearsing the history of the people. They remind themselves that. At one time, they weren't a people. That God called Abraham away from his homeland. Abraham took a step in faith and went, and went to a place where he didn't know. God just said, go and I'm going to show you the place. He didn't, have, he didn't have a strategic plan. It was just get all the lambs together, get all the people together, get all the cattle together and head that way. My father was a wandering man, I love that phrase. Father was a wandering Araman. They would recount the history. They would be reminded of the hardships when they went down to Egypt because there was a famine and there were good times because they were saved from the famine, but then they became slaves because the pharaohs forgot what they had done, what, what, the, people, what the Jewish people had done for the pharaohs and the Egyptians. And they were under slavery for 400 years. 400 years they were under slavery. Can you imagine? That could beat some gratefulness out of you. I know. 400 years. And then, and then, God through Moses and Aaron leads them out of slavery. Leads them out of slavery. And what's the first thing that they do? complain, right? We should have stayed around the flesh pots in Egypt. We don't have enough to eat. And then God provides them with with food, and they're still like, "What is this?" Literally, that's what they said. The manna came down from heaven, this flaky substance on the ground which we still aren't really sure what it was, that it came every day, it would be there in the morning and they would gather it, but it's called manhu because it, that means, in, in Hebrew, what is it? And we call it manna now, but that's... A, manna from heaven is what is it from heaven? We don't know. But that's what they, but that's what they, they got. And, and, but they could only collect enough for each day. They couldn't take any more than what they absolutely needed, except for on the Sabbath day, then they could take two days... Uh, the day before the Sabbath day, they could take two days' worth, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't go bad. But then they get to the promised land after 40 years of wandering around again in the wilderness, a lot because of their own stubbornness, their own choices. And they come into the promised land, and it says a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a fertile land. If you... If you ever get a chance to go to Israel, you're going to see. I, I was just amazed. You know, I grew up in an agricultural area, so I, I, you know, I grew up seeing fields and crops and all that sort of thing. But, but I was thinking Israel. You know, I'm just thinking Jerusalem. Like I'm thinking this big city. That's what I'm thinking about. And there is that. But you get up in the northern part of Israel, and it is a it's it's a breadbasket. I mean, it is. There is fruit. There are tomatoes. I mean. We were there in the green time. We were there in January when most of the time Israel's kind of brown because it's just so dry there. But, but we were there in the green time, and so the, the plants were just green and lush, like, like the wheat was, was, be, was coming up, you know, and it was just as green and beautiful. And we could, we, could, we just, you know, of course, because we're nerds like this, we were imagining the disciples and Jesus walking through these fields, you know walking through these fields with this green, lush place. And, and so, just imagine that people had come from wandering in an arid desert, basically, and they come to this place where it's just lush and green and fertile. And so then every year, they come with their first fruits. And they give an offering to God, and they walk through this history, reminding themselves of the good times of the hardships, of coming out of slavery, of being set free, of coming into the promised land, reminding themselves of everything that God has done for them. And I think God makes this command because God knows that we forget. We forget. And I think that God also knows that generosity... Um, that generosity is grounded in gratitude. I don't know about you, but it's a, it's a lot easier for me to give when I'm feeling grateful. You know, and I don't mean like I just won the lottery grateful. I mean that would be nice too, but you know, or I think it would be. Um, side note, you know that most lottery winners within five years are are just as broke as they were before they won the lottery. So, you know, it may not be the panacea that you think it would be for you, so just consider that when you're buying your ticket or not buying your ticket. Um, I mean, you have to play the lottery to win it. That's always my problem is I don't play the lottery. So anyway, I'm just totally against it, but that's a whole other thing. that We can talk about that in a sermon later. But, um, but I'm, I, am much, I am much more likely to be generous when I am grateful. But I believe that gratitude is a, is a practice. And if you think about when we come together each week, we, we often sing songs of confession. We often, we often sing songs that are lifting up prayers about our troubles. We pray about our troubles, we lift those up. But we also include prayers of thanksgiving, about how awesome God is. You know, This is amazing grace. We remind ourselves of the things that God has done for us, because we forget, and we need to come together and be reminded. About a year and a half ago, I started a practice where every morning, um, one of the things that I do is I, I write down three things that I'm grateful for. And the, and, and the research just proves that the more when you do this, it begins to change your mind. It begins to change the way you see the world. It begins to change the way you see people around you. Because when you start identifying things that you are grateful for in the morning, it sets your brain up to look for things to be grateful for. It's the strangest thing, really. But it works. And now sometimes you get into a rut and you're like, especially when you're just waking up and you, you, know, you make that cup of coffee and you're like, okay, what am I grateful for? Coffee. You know, I mean, that's but but hey, but then, but then that makes me think, oh, I am grateful for coffee. I was able to just go punch a button this morning and drip, 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 I've got coffee or whatever. You know, maybe you've got one of those fancy Keurig machines, you know, you put the little thing in, psh, less than a minute, you've got hot coffee, right? Better than a microwave. Better than a microwave. But every morning I get up and, and I do that and, and, and it, it has changed the way I'm able to greet the day. It takes some time. But my family, I think, would tell you that I'm a little more generous with praise. I'm a little more settled in terms of my anger. I'm not saying that it's gotten rid of all of it. I'm a little more gracious with my tongue. It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. But when we our grounded in gratitude, our generosity, comes right out of that foundation. comes right out of that foundation. And so today, I just want you to consider the blessings of what it means to be part of Westminster Church. We often don't think about it. For many of you that serve... um, you know, on committees and teams and whatever, sometimes it feels like, you know, we've sort of put the church on our back and we're carrying it somewhere. Well, really, Jesus has put us on his back and he's carrying us somewhere. And we need to be reminded of that, of the blessings of being part of this community of faith, the blessings that Jesus gives us. Because ultimately, our story is the Jews' story too. Our father is Abraham too, but our brother is Jesus. And because of his life and his death and his resurrection, we have something to be amazingly grateful for. Because we have the opportunity to walk in the newness of life, to see what God sees, to see what God knows about this world, that even though it looks like it is going down the tubes, that we and it are being renewed day by day. And that one day, everything that is barren, everything that is broken, everything that is screwed up and messed up in our world is going to be put right by God. And for that, we can be grateful and hopeful and generous with praise, with our money, with our time, with our talents.